Welcome to the Standout Digital Marketing Podcast. Pardon me. I'm your host, Wes Kramer, and I'm here with Chrissy Greco. Chrissy is a digital marketing expert um, out of Colorado. And uh, Chrissy, uh, would you say hi to the people and maybe give a little bit of background on your journey to becoming a digital marketer and uh, just say hello? Sure. Hello. I'm so happy to be here and reconnected with Wes. Um, my history with uh, digital marketing was at the early stages of social media in um, be- being geared towards businesses. Um, I started by running street teams for events and, co- and concerts in the Colorado area. And once I became, I started working as a marketing director for a venue, um, we was right in 2011, right around when Facebook was transitioning from just personal pages to business pages mm-hmm. and constantly changing what those business pages look like, what they could do, um, and being able to like harness those pages as they, um, as they were changing was the, the big challenge. Um, also bringing street teamers from the street onto the digital platforms was also like very beginnings um, where we were using private groups, the invite all cheat code to events and things like that. Um, so that's kind of where it started. Um, always in events, I, I've mostly done most of my work history and work in digital marketing has been in um, live events, um, but not always music. Mm-hmm. I've worked with um, uh, Denver's uh, Food and Wine Festival, um, some other food festivals around here, um, and and generally have consulted with event marketing um, in the digital space. Um, and then recently I've expanded since the music and large scale event industry has been put on hold for almost a year now. Um, yep. I've moved into different spaces and consulting with different kinds of industries and companies, currently cannabis and um even some now moving back to live streamed events um, to, you know, be able to expand brands, talk about, you know, online presence, digital presence, aesthetic, voice, um, kind of getting back to what a brand's all about and then being able to be able to communicate that to their audience um, through digital, the digital sphere and in digital marketing. Wow. And yeah, get, uh, sort of building on that point, uh, talking about getting brands back to really what they're all about. Um, you've got a new consulting venture called, called By the Why. Um, yeah. And uh, so would you tell us a little bit about uh, how that got started and um, what you're hoping, what you are offering and uh, uh, what sort of uh, sets you apart um, in the digital space? Absolutely. So by the way, consulting is the name. Um, I had been kind of taking on consulting gigs for a long time. I've always, I had built up social media workshops um, for a lot of different companies across the board um, from like a jewelry company to um, a branding uh, consultancy. Like I taught, I worked a lot with them on their own you know, branding um, strategy, but also uh, like a yoga company. So very like broad range of clients. And um, I kept coming back to, as I was building the social media workshop um, to what are, what is a company's why? And I was super inspired by Simon Sinek and his TED talk. why great leaders or how great leaders inspire action um and his book start with the why um and fantastic fantastic um uh ted talk i mean that that is just like my uh absolute like touchstone for digital marketing so i'm really glad you brought that up yeah (laughs) yeah me too it really like you know when i was trying to think of a name of a company like i mean it it just stuck out at me i mean it's the one ted talk that like i don't forget you know like i watch it came out in 2010 and i watch it regularly still and it stuck with me and it was just the 
the power of the message was so important that like we are inspired as consumers by what a company believes in and what a company stands for Mm -hmm. more so than what they actually do. And, you know, in the, in this, in this, um, in the talk, he repeats over and over over again, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And so getting back to that, um, And just to back up a few steps, the reason why I started making a social media workshop was that I found that, you know, I really love working with small businesses, one or two people, you know, people middle age who are starting their like dream, um, you know, small business startup. And they, you know, they didn't grow up with on the internet the way you and I have, you know, I was there from the beginning of Facebook. Um, so, it, you know, our, not to, not to date us too much, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we were exactly when Facebook came out, when we, we were in college and it was before it was, uh, you know, what it is now, it was just like, you only had friends from your college, you, yeah. uh, <laughs> like businesses weren't on it. All the pictures. There wasn't even a, yeah, there was wasn't even a timeline. It, you just had different profiles. You had to jump from profile to profile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Your interests. Oh. <laughs> yep. Um, so, so, you know, you and I are native social media, you know, and native to the internet. And, um, you know, so I found that a lot of these startup companies and the companies that I really like to work with are, you know, they can't afford to pay me to run their social media every day. I think a lot of people don't remember or don't realize what it takes to kind of like, like really be in it and have a successful social media strategy and game plan. It, it, ta- it, it can be a full-time job. It can be a part-time job, but, um, you know, often there's somebody in a company in a startup that's either an intern or a niece that is, you know, kind of wearing all the hats and like, oh, here, do run our social media. Um, and so I come in instead of these companies, you know, having to pay me to run their social media, I come in and I just train and I, you know, will tell, talk to their intern, talk to their niece or talk to the owner who's running the social media and just give them a game plan, some best practices, Um, And then we talk about their why, right? We talk about their silos of, I call them their umbrella keywords, right? And so much of digital marketing is about keywords, Um, but really being able to like hone in on those things um, and be able to work with a brand and a company so that they can speak to them. And I think that that's such a big part of social media. And and then also like what Simon Sinek's talking about is that, and you know, consumerism and um, digital marketing in general is that if you can't communicate what you believe and why you do what you do, then nobody's interested in buying your products, no matter what it is. So I think that's where this kind of all circles back to is that that's what I start with, with anybody I work with, whether it's social media 101 or branding altogether is to get to their why, identify it. And that can get down to like, after that, I wound up developing a branding workshop because, you know, we weren't, we couldn't get too far with the social media workshop if we haven't hadn't established certain things in the brand, like the company's vision and mission and purpose. And those things, um, like I know, are really important. And you start with too, and any good digital marketer starts with those things because, you once you get down to defining those those phrases, those keywords, those terms that are at the heart of your business, then we can talk about how can we communicate that um, successfully to inspire consumers to buy into your products. Exactly, and something I'm uh, really jealous with you about is um, and and like very impressed by is your uh, the name by the why is so friggin' clever. Um, I think it. Uh, really communicates that really succinctly. And I, the second I saw it, I realized it was already like on the tip of my tongue, but I couldn't communicate it and on my own. And I think that's uh, a mark of having created something really clever is that somebody else feels like, oh, I knew that, but I just didn't know how to say it. Um, so I'm really impressed by that. Um, so th- of course, of course. And something else I'm impressed by in your, um, in your uh, conferences with businesses 
uh, workshops, pardon me, with businesses is that you set yearly goals with them. Um, and I think it's really uh, toxic in big business, but to a degree also in um, uh, small businesses is that they just look at the next quarter. And that's the only thing they benchmark on where uh, if you're selling a, um, you know, for example, a yoga studio or something like that, of course you need to, you know, pay the rent every month, but the, the kind of traction you're going to get for your social media is something you really need to measure biannually or annually. Uh, the quarterly stuff is, you know, uh, a lot of what we do is unquantifiable in some ways. Um, how did you come to the uh, conclusion about measuring it, uh, measuring businesses goals um, yearly? Cause I, I really, uh, I, I love that you do that. And uh, I would love to hear more of your thoughts behind it. Sure. And actually I, I listened to your last interview and I um, really connected with the long-term digital strategy um, in general. Um, and, and that's something like, I feel like I, I often have to like bring home is that like, this is a long-term um, investment mm -hmm. and thinking about where you want to be in a year is so important to just not getting um, disappointed in the day to day yep. because, you know, especially I'm working with a lot of cannabis brands right now and they can't spend any money. Oof. So it's a slow burn of organic growth and some, you know, and, and, and this is just your average company, right? Not like your Snoop Dogg's, you know, behind <laughs> us, or we have a huge injection of capital and we can, you know, shoot up really high in followers and things like that. Most people aren't like that. And especially when it comes to organic growth, it's a slog. It's a yep. slow, you know, you see 15 one day and then, you know, you lose three by, you know, Instagram purging accounts and things like that. So it's, it's just to set the tone of patience and um, acknowledging that this is like a slow burn and you're going to see really great success if you stick with it, it um, over long periods of time. Um, even when it comes to ad buying, right? Like your previous guests talked about, like setting long budget goals and like, then you can really dig into, you know, what ad buying strategy is, which is about, you know, doing an awareness campaign, then doing a consideration campaign and then hitting the conversions. Like that isn't a like one week, bang, bang, bang. It's a long, like psychological strategy game that, you know, there's a reason why there's so much um, out there to research and learn about and why Facebook has built so many different um, uh, goals that you can, you know, hit with your, you know, when you make an ad, right? Like, do you want to do lead generation? Do you want video views? Do you want conversions? Those are all, um, you know, there's a wide range of different tactics you can take for this long haul game. And so I, I, that's why I try to like bring it home. Like we're going to set long-term goals. And when we get there, it's, it's because of a slow burn and a actual planned out strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I like to, it, it, if I'm on an informal basis with a potential client and it's appropriate to say it like this with them and, you know, every client's different. But I like to let them know that, look, we're not having a one night stand here. We're having a long term relationship. Like, <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm stealing that. That's great. <laughs> so true. It's so true. Um, just and, and I also point out metrics. Right. Um, yeah. I've had clients be like, um, you know, how come we're only seeing this many likes on an Instagram post? And then I show them how many people it reached. Just okay, you have 3,000 followers. It's only showing it to 20%, this post to 20% of those 3,000 followers. Of that 3,000 followers, consistently 10 to 15% are liking. That's how you're always seeing the same number of likes. And yeah. how can, the, now we can think about, all right, how do we change or tweak our content to get something more interesting? How do we bring in, you know, and make sure we're using these new uh, platforms that maybe, you know, Instagram is, you know, moving their, uh, their algorithms going to show a little bit more of the reels. 
Um, so how do we buy in? How do we create? Then it, then we're moving into like, now let's make interesting content. Let's do really creative content. Let's have content that really speaks to your why and then thus speaks to your audience. And how do we grow from there? Yeah. And like uh, diving a little bit deeper into that example, if you're getting 10 to 20% engagement, I mean, that's through the roof. Like anything right? around, uh, above 5%, I think is just, you know, a huge bonus, especially on organic. My God. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but being able to communicate that to a client, right? Yeah. Who's, you know, saying, oh, how come, how come we're, you know, just sitting around a hundred likes every post. Um, and then it's a great door opener and opportunity to discuss, you know, maybe spending a little bit more money on content creation or a little bit more extra time or, you know, how let's, let's utilize the tools that we have to kind of bump it to the next level. Yeah. Um, and, and an example I like to give when I'm uh, talking to clients is I'll say, look, if your post is a billboard, like the amount of people who drove by on that road are 3000, like that's your followers. And the amount of people who like looked at, glanced at your billboard um, is that hundred likes. And out of those hundred likes, maybe you can get five phone calls out of that. And that is a phenomenal rate. And that's like by and large over the averages, how these systems work in terms of conversion numbers. So exactly. then, yeah, so then that, 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 uh, those hundred likes, then I think the next step is to try and get the, um, you know, those five, uh, people who are, you know, prone to taking action from something they've liked, uh, you know, on average out of a hundred to then, you know, give them a call to action if you're getting those hundred likes and then out of each post be trying to get five, uh, you know, maybe not conversions, but at least like, um, getting them to sign up for an email list or something like that and growing yeah. that yeah, getting them to your page. Um, and, and I think just transitioning away from like organic only, mm -hmm. I really pushed people to utilize in social media the events, um, you know, tactic. Um, even if you're like a clothing company, creating an event in Facebook is one of the most powerful tools out there because of audiences. And if we can promote an event, then we can grab an audience that's interested in that event. And then we have access to those people for a year. And then we have access to lookalikes for that specific audience and talk about segmentation. You can segment an event so well. And that it, it kind of, I, I really look to those kind of tactics to be able to harness what, what the platforms give you. Um, with, with spending as little money as possible and, and being able to broaden your audience. Uh, and that's why event marketing really spans to like any industry because it's such a valuable and strong tool that, that Facebook has given us. Wow. I haven't, uh, uh dived into that very much yet. I'll have to, uh, get more knowledgeable about that. Thank you, Chrissy. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you're working with lawyers, um, have them do a Facebook live stream, um, info Q and a session, right. And create a Facebook event to promote that session. It's going to be in two weeks, right. And then you can buy ads to promote that Facebook event and just get as many people interested as possible that then Facebook creates a audience for that specific event. And you have access to that audience in your backend and ads manager for a year for 365 days. And you can create lookalikes from that. You, and be, depending on how specific your event is, right? Like maybe it's a personal injury attorney, you know, a Q&A specific to car accidents or Q&A specific to motorcycle accidents. Then look, you've segmented an audience already for you or for people who are interested. Wow. Yeah, seriously. That's then everybody driving that car by your billboard has, for the next year has been indicated interest in an uh, accident attorney already. Exactly. And then also you can create a lookalike for them. Um, I find it so valuable for, um, you know, music um, artists because mm -hmm. they're constantly creating events. Right. So it's super segmented um, by location. Right. And with musical artists, I mean, we, 
I, we can pull the thread of kind of getting down the road of like, they have a why in some ways, Mm -hmm. but, um, more so just utilizing the tactics that they have a fan base already. And how do we grow their fan base to people who are, you know, may not have heard them yet is that lookalike audience. Right. And so, being able to harness their fans by, you know, interest in an event and then creating a lookalike of their fans. I mean, there's, there's your value and there's a great tool that's just built into Facebook and don't have to be too creative with, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like I am so much more likely to like a band that one of my friends already likes, uh, just because exactly. you know, we're from similar backgrounds or whatever. Right. That's or awesome. even just a band that that's got in a similar, similar genre, Mm-hmm. from the bands you like yeah it's oh man these are fantastic um yeah so i, I have a a little uh so i have a question for you about um finding the why and drilling down um yeah. can, can you give an example of a brand that you consulted with um or if you just want to do a hypothetical to that answers the question as well um some brands like to keep that kind of information proprietary and i understand um but just can you go through the process of uh, finding, helping a brand find the why and maybe give some examples, be there hypothetical or otherwise of what that looks like in practice. So if I'm a you know, small business owner right now and I'm thinking, oh, geez, what is this find the why stuff? Uh, I can maybe have a little bit of a road map for uh, starting to get going. Yes. Yes. That would be such a fun exercise. Um, cool. So, Okay. The last time I did one was a cannabis brand. Mm -hmm. And the way I approach it is um, I just have an informal brainstorming conversation with the high level executives of the company, right? The founder, um, the CEO, um, CFO, the big operating officers, and, and then, you know, anybody they want to bring into the meeting who they feel really represents their brand or gets it, right? That like, they just get it. They get me, right? So if you have a founder, um, and especially in startup world, and especially in, um, you know, small local businesses and things like that, the the why is within the founder. It's like sitting within them. And a lot of those small businesses, like, the, they're not writing a mission statement. <laughs> they're not like identifying their purpose or their vision often, you know, they've got enough things on their plate. <laughs> they're not yeah. identifying their core values or their guiding principles. But my what I'm doing with them is I'm extracting those things because those things are all within that person. They they hold, they know what they hold dear. Um and so we we just need to put words to them, right? Like my thesaurus is like my best friend when in these things, mm-hmm. um, because we're just trying to find words. We're just trying, I'm just trying to extract keywords from them. So I get everybody together. We sit down and we talk about um, who are you? Why did you start this business? Give me your backstory. And as they're talking, they're telling me their background. They're telling me why they were inspired often you know a lot of entrepreneurs you know they have their elevator pitch they have their you know grandma story and that's what inspired them to you know pursue this dream um or something very specific happened whether it's tragedy or you know a comedy whatever it might be there's a great story in there grandma Almost always. The best weed brownies and uh, exactly exactly right and they're they, they know why they do what they do. And w- my job is to extract those words and extract that story. Um, and, and often entrepreneurs have their story, but they don't have it in a concise way that, um, that you know, helps them write a mission statement, helps them communicate their purpose and their vision. Um, and so my job is to come in and, and help write those things. And so I just take notes. I just let them talk. I'll ask a few guiding questions. Um, well, what kind of questions? Okay. So, so like for a mission statement, mm-hmm. it would be, what do you do? Who do you do it with? And how do you do it? Ooh. And tell me, just start talking. Tell me about the, and those are, that's kind of on the periphery, right? If we were looking at Simon Sinek's, um, circle, yeah. um, we're, we're like kind of more on the outside, right. About like the what and the hows, 
but we're, we're kind of going to touch on the periphery first to get into the why. And so I kind of pick and prod about like all of the, those things, tell me those stories. Why are you in business? Mm-hmm. Um, what is your, I, I like to use this. What's your philosophical heartbeat? Ooh, um, yeah. Um, where, what is like your core value? Like, um, the principle that like you want to carry through and the way I also when I'm getting into like core values and guiding principles I say if the lowest employee on your totem pole um, was faced with a conflict or a problem and they look around and there's nobody above them to you know help them solve that problem or answer that question Mm -hmm. what do they need to know what are the core values of the guide. This is where guiding principles, which are inspired by core values. Mm-hmm. What are those guiding principles that um, will help them solve that problem in the moment? So it's like, you know, two to five, usually around three guiding principles that everybody in your company will know. And they, they will use those to guide their decision-making. Um, from the highest level to the very lowest employee. They, they will know those things cold when they come in and that will guide all decision-making. And so ultimately that is a company's why. It, it, it guides every decision you make. It guides your brand. It guides who your ideal client is. Not, you know, that's why, you know, in digital marketing, we call it something you know, cold and not too sexy, you know, segmented audiences, but that's important. Let's identify your ideal client. So we know what they look like. We have an idea of who that person is. And that way we can, we can speak to them and inspire them. Um, So that's kind of the, the summary of like what I work with to get to the why of a company. Um, and it usually it's like I said, it's like within the entrepreneur, they know it, but they don't may not have put it into words yet. They know what guides them, but let's take those, the, those things and those feelings and that philosophy that guides you every day. And let's put it into words so that we can communicate that to your lowest employee and to your ideal client. Okay. So I've got my philosophy. You've, uh, all set in stone on paper. Um, because you've, uh, because I've bought the why and now for my cannabis, my hypothetical cannabis company, how, or a real cannabis company that you've worked for, how does that change the messaging, um, of my advertising and how does that impact the messaging sure. of the advertising and how does it, uh, help me or hinder me? Uh, well, it helps. So spoiler alert, <laughs> yeah. uh, connect with my audience better. Totally. So the way, you know, there's the aesthetic brand guidelines, right? So somebody comes to your page um, and, you know, this is what most people think about branding, right? What does your logo look like? What are your colors? What are your fonts, right? But it also communicates, you know, in our visual world where video is king and on social platforms and in advertising, you know, GIFs are so big, memes, and it's also visual, it's, it's now it moves into what is our visual aesthetic that represents the, the brand um, and represents your why, that inspires from your why. Um, and before I get into the visual, I like to, that now we've, we've pulled out the keywords, we've pulled out those like guiding principles and the philosophy behind the why, mm-hmm. and we turn those into silos, or um, I call them umbrella terms. Mm-hmm. Um, that when somebody comes to your brand, they can identify the three main things that your brand represents. So for a cannabis company, um, we came up with three. uh, So the silos were about the cannabis itself, right? So we came up with three words there. So we've got terpenes, potency, and trichromes. Those are three words that speak specifically to the genetics the strains of the cannabis and, and just specifically the bud. Then we go into what we, we have really beautiful bud. It's really powerful and, and potent. And then, but it's also the quality that we bring. 
Mm-hmm. So that's our second silo that we talked about. And the next one was so the keywords under that were passion, quality, and innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third was the people. There are people behind this brand. It's not just the bud. It's not just like, we're going to get you as high as possible. Um, and these were really like sweet, like Michigan um, down to earth people. And they identified themselves as heady, earthy farmers. <laughs> And that's it. You know, if we can communicate those three silos, those three umbrella philosophies, Mm -hmm. then why wouldn't you want to buy that cannabis? (laughs) Exactly. I don't even smoke cannabis and that sounds awesome. (laughs) Um, So being able to identify those three things. And then, then we talk about our next step is how do we communicate those three things visually? So the next part was talking about how do we establish an aesthetic that communicates the heady earthy farmer. And so we're going to, you know, take a lot of pictures in the grow. We're going to show the, the team at work and be very intimate with our, the way we share on social media, bring it in, make it personal, um, know who's growing your cannabis. Um, we're going to also, you know, showcase the the quality and the innovation the you know technology we're bringing to this process right the growing process and then finally we're going to show some really sexy buds (laughs) and really beautiful pictures and you know the first thing I said was we got to hire a really great photographer and and have them edit some really gorgeous buds (laughs) and that will show off the trichromes the terpene you know like try and get across these terpenes that are present and what is, what is a terpene? Um, so I, something I learned working in cannabis, <laughs> working with cannabis brands, terpenes are um, the smell and taste that the buds um, get across. So there are different ones. They're called like lemonine is one that gives like a lemon smell. Mycrene um, is another. Um, I... I don't know them very well off the top of my head, but um, yeah, I learned, now we've all learned something about cannabis that they have terpenes and, and they are shortened to terps. And that is, uh, you know, part of the lingo. (laughs) Fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds sort of like um, it's analogous to maybe marketing for uh, a mix between like Sam Adams beer and um, uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Nailed it. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and the the names of the strains are always hilarious. Um, And yeah, you can't. um, Marketing cannabis has been so much fun for me because it's it's all organic. We can't spend a dollar and it's so creative. There's so much we can do. Um, and the images and the visuals are so beautiful. Um, and, and I'm really about kind of bringing, um, bringing forward the people behind it. So one of the brands I worked for, who's before I even came in, that was her goal. That was her whole thing behind her cannabis brand is the people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I, when we set forward to make social media posts, that's part of our like visual guidelines is that there has to be a person in every post. Not every cannabis brand is like that, right? They're showcasing their bud. Um, but those, that's how we, you know, work towards setting social media guidelines for ourselves so that when your ideal client or customer comes to your social media pages, they know exactly who you are by the visual representation. Exactly. And then by buying your product, they're not, uh, you can, you know, it's Colorado. I assume weed grows on trees there. Um, (laughs) I like, there's a lot of different places to get pot, I assume, but, um, you know, you're, you're using that purchase as an expression of your values, uh, Mm -hmm. at that point, rather than just, you know, getting the same old product from, uh, a random, grower. Uh, so I imagine they have a higher customer retention rate, or at least they've improved it after they started implementing uh, some of your strategies. 100%. And you nailed it. And I know that that's uh, something that you really push to is values. And so that goes back to Simon Sinek 
Um, and people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. It's all about, I buy Apple products because that community, the iPhone in my hand communicates my value without saying it. Um, and that translates to any brand. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, so, uh, Christy, do you have any, uh, Christy, pardon me. Do you have any more, um, uh, strategy, do you have any strategies that you've used that, uh, have been a surprise? I mean, I know that, um, uh, I've been using paid for a while and, uh, I look at organic with, um, uh, a bit of fear because it's so, uh, such a dramatic difference, um, between the two. Um, do you, ha- are you, are there any, uh, uh, strategies that you've used that you've been like, wow, this is, uh, so much more powerful than I thought it would be. Absolutely. Um, so we, we already talked about, um, like an Instagram growth campaign and Facebook events. Those were like two really exciting tools to me that like with, you know, using Instagram story to, um, send people like click here to just follow yep. reach new people and say hey I've got something really interesting here follow me for more when we talked about Facebook events um, those just are such a valuable tool no matter what 100% not to create audiences I am uh, so excited to implement that for uh, my next paid campaign yeah yeah and ask manager yeah, an ads manager, when it goes, to, when you're in creating audiences, you can say create audience from an event. And um, it's all right there for you. It's so, it's so cool. But I would, I would say the biggest thing that I find most value, especially in organic, is, and, and I hate, it's almost like brand ambassador is becoming almost as bad as influencer marketing. But <laughs> let me tell you why. I think this is important, especially in like a a space like cannabis where you can't spend any dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, Partnerships are so key in general, right? To most companies, right? Um, I know you want to set yourself apart, but who is tangential to your brand that is in the same space? that you can partner with to create great content. And it doesn't necessarily be like, I'm gonna promote you, so you promote me in this brand ambassador, like I'm gonna do an unboxing, (laughs) you know? We do do a lot of that, but bringing each other in to create cool and interesting content, I think is one of the most successful things that I've done with the cannabis brand so far. Um, We do, uh, so one of my clients, she, does a cannabis tourism company and she partners with a lot of different brands. Mm -hmm. So she is a brand ambassador. Um, She's definitely, you know, in front of so many tourists and brings forward products all the time. But beyond just that, like face-to-face, hand-to-hand, here's a sample. We worked on creating content that showcases the brands with the people from the brands. So we, we work with a company called Keef Cola, which is a cannabis-infused drink company. And for Halloween, we brought in their, um, one of their marketing leads to create a, like, Martha Stewart-esque in the kitchen um, Halloween drink special. <laughs> and, uh, like, uh, you know, your cannabis Halloween drinks. Um, and we're about to do one for Valentine's Day. Um, and, and so it was a fun, engaging, interesting video. It was maybe 10, 15 minutes. It, and then Keith Cola, which has a great following, shared this awesome, you know, video. And then we got to share it and it became such a, a success, okay. um, not just on, for our social media metrics, but for Keith and promoting these like, you know, the, the ingredients and the different, um, you know, recipes to make these funny uh, Halloween drinks, spooky, like blood drinks and stuff like that. Uh, (laughs) And it was great. And, and so creating content by bringing in 
the people that you you partner with and instead of just showing their product show the, showing the people getting back to what this brand that I work with is all about is about the people behind cannabis so bringing them in we do an, an uh, industry insider interview series where we go um, interview um, some of the biggest names in the industry in Colorado um, we will go into their grow and we're filming in their grow and asking them about their story and where they come from. And from a digital marketing perspective, then once I post that, they get to share it. Their friends and family share it, you know, taking the humans of whatever company you're working in or industry you're working in and bringing them into your content so that then they have something to share. Uh, I've just has proven so valuable, especially in the organic space. Oh my God. I, I, that's, I could not agree with you more. And it's so much more, um, speaking of the value that provides, it's also so much more economical to do partner with a local business than to, you know, maybe, uh, a classic silly example of, um, or like circus, maybe some low hanging fruit would be to pay a local rapper to mention, um, right. <laughs> like, you know, the, 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 the cannabis strain or something like that and where to get it. Um, <laughs> but this is free because most of the time other businesses are, you know, pretty eager to work with you because then they get exposed to your audience. Um, you guys both get the benefit of uh, getting exposed to each other's audiences. Um, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, how could we do that with attorneys, right? Like bringing that, you know, bringing in their favorite industry, you know, person and, and, you know, just using their platform to feature others. And it's not just always about you. Uh, a fun um, way that I, I did that with uh, these accident attorneys that I worked with and it, it worked perfectly um, was they had a chiropractor come in and do like the classical uh, uh, neck cracking that you think of when you think of chiropractors, <laughs> just like sends chills up my spine. Um, but we made a video of just him doing that to everyone at the firm. Um, and it's not like a call to action. It's, you know, not demanding, but it keeps you in our brand orbit and, uh, you know, provides a little chuckle. So that's some value. Um, and like you said, like brings in the people of the firm as well. Uh, but it also gives him exposure to, you know, our audience, which is people who've been in accidents and stuff like that. And obviously if, you know, somebody's going to a chiropractor, some of those people will have been injured in an accident. So it gives us some exposure to them. Um, but in a really friendly way. Yeah. And, you know, creative content, it, you know, it's not always about the sale, yeah. right? So much of it is just about brand awareness and that consideration period. And, you know, that goes back to like the long haul that we were talking about, you know, yes. it's not, um, you know, we're not going to come in as digital marketers and in your first month, you know, be like pushing these conversion campaigns. Because it turn it winds up doing the opposite. It turns people off. Exactly. And so bringing them in, creating like a you know a real community with the content that you're creating, and and um, going back to kind of the why and you know the branding workshops and stuff like that is like people want to know what they can expect from you as they're scrolling. I mean, people are doom scrolling all day. It's going to go fast. They yeah. need you need to establish that um, visual aesthetic, um, content that you're, that is consistent. So that as people are scrolling, they're like, I know who that is before I even see the name. Exactly. Uh, and then they know to stop because it either gives them a chuckle or a useful piece of information on cannabis. Exactly. Or, or they oh. it draws them in as part of the community and they want to comment. Yeah. Uh, so content creation is just such a big part of it. And that's what I really try to communicate. And that's, the, the long haul, right? Is how can we create fun, engaging, um, branded, um, inspiring content uh, and, and, and informative content? I think Reels is really great for that. Reels is not something I've do, uh, dived into too much. Can you tell me about a strategy that you've implemented that uh, has been successful with Reels? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's so funny that so many like stay-at-home moms have really like forged the way in a lot of different really successful things on I I, I work mostly in Instagram obviously um, mm -hmm. but on on you know in social media in general 
right? So, you know, one of the earliest like influencers on so when social media, uh, where it, when Instagram stories first came out, you know, people kind of like didn't know what to do with them, right? Like Snapchat was a thing, but they were super private and like, you know, people kind of played in, in that like, you know, potentially like taboo world with Snapchat a little bit more. But once it came into like a more, you know, general and like, holy crap, my mom follows me on Instagram kind of thing, it, you know, people used it and the earliest influencers, they gave it, used it as like a window into their lives, right? Mm -hmm. Faced it, facing the camera, telling about like just their bad day, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that I really work with my clients on is just getting personal. Look mm -hmm. at the camera and tell your audience about you. That's how you inspire them. Give them a window into your world. And so the, the early like, you know, stay-at-home moms and stuff are really good at that. And they're also really good at TikTok and Reels. <laughs> and they've just mastered it. And they're the first ones always. It's amazing to watch. I follow like, you know, some of these really great stay-at-home mom influencers because they just, they get it. And, um, you know, so, but reels is a little bit more than just, you know, their dancing videos. And so how can we take that and pivot it a little bit or tweak it a little bit to, to communicate for a brand and still be fun or incorporate dancing and music, um, and stay true to the core of that, um, platform, you know, to the TikTok platform, um, aesthetic. So what I found really helpful is like making um, really fun and funny reels that are super informative. And, you know, what's great about reels is that you can like flash facts on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, I have one that I just made that's coming out next week. That's, uh, you know, we're talking about cannabis and anxiety and how CBD has been proven in some clinical trials to alleviate some symptoms of anxiety. Um, well, we're living in a very anxious world right now, you know, between the pandemic, everything that's going on politically. And so how do we communicate that visually, you know, showing a, a news article and then, a, you know, my client's like terrified face and, be, and you know, sp flashing on the screen, are you stressed, having trouble sleeping, you know, and then bringing forward some products that might be helpful and bringing forward some facts in like a very visual fun way mm -hmm. where we're showing her face and her emotion is coming across, but we're flashing text on the screen that's facts. Um, and so that's what I love about Reels is that it's fast. It's, um, Get your you can communicate quickly there it incorporates both reading on the screen um, as well as super visual um, you can bring in music so it's it brings in everything and I mean obviously the TikTok nailed it that's what it is you know we're just using uh, take we're basically bringing TikTok into Instagram but um, yeah, really Instagram. really awesome and Instagram's algorithms push um, reels more right now because it's their new thing, right? So they're encouraging more people to, to make reels. So we're going to show reels to, you know, 30% of your followers instead yeah. of your normal 20. That's true. Yeah. And I think they're kind of pushing it, um, in part as an attempt to maybe try and budge TikTok out of the market. So the more, or at least take some of their market share in that category. Uh, right. And, and I mean, just as a total sidebar, mm -hmm. you know, there are so many, you know, we can go to like streaming, the big conversation in streaming, right? How many subscriptions do you need? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> and same thing with these platforms. After a while, it's like, oh my God, I need, I had Facebook. Now I need Instagram. Then I needed Snapchat. Now I need TikTok. It's like, after a while, I just want to, some people just want to stick to the one they got. Yeah. And, and Instagram knows that. And so, you know, why would my client make a TikTok where not their audience isn't even really on TikTok because it's much younger for the most part? You know, their audience is mostly on Facebook and Instagram. So, you know, it's awesome that now there's a new platform or a new content creation tool within the platform and the audience they already have. 
Yeah, exactly. And as a uh, digital marketer, it makes our jobs easier because we get to focus on creating content specific, uh, uh, sorry, platform specific content, um, yeah. like with reels that you just mentioned and how you can utilize music and images on the screen rather than, you know, going into a, a video program, creating one video and then trying to distribute it when it's not real onto diff a bunch of different platforms when it's not uh, uh, native to those platforms. And like, for example, even within uh, the Facebook um, uh, sphere of influence, um, you can have a, a picture that's formatted one way and works on Instagram, but sometimes it doesn't uh, frame correctly on Facebook posts. Um, so having that native uh, uh, touch is really important. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Um, and, you know, overall, like, I, I just love content creation. I think it's fun. You know, it's, I'm less of a, you know, copy hound, you know, about like uh, getting all the perfect content copy always. But mm -hmm. I, I focus more on like, you know, I love graphic design. I'm getting into photography and film ed video editing now. Like I have to edit videos. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and it's making every, it's just making everything like that more accessible to so many more people where I need, you know, would have needed, you know, five people to do these things in the past. Um, these tools are at my fingertips now and I can, I can make the content. Oh yeah. I, I, uh, uh, have you worked with, uh, Canva? I love it. It's, it's totally free and, um, yeah. it's a really strong graphic design tool. It so is. And, and you can use it for websites and oh. it translates so well to socials. Um, they're just great tools out there. And, um, I think that, you know, the more people who have access to content creation tools, the more awesome content that's out there. And that's where, you know, I really bring it down to with my clients is like, we're going to make really great content. And the, the better content we put out there, the more people are going to gravitate towards us. And that's how we're going to grow. I think that's fantastically well said. Uh, Chrissy, thank you so much for being on the program. We have really enjoyed having you. Uh, would you plug your um, website before we... Uh, 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 head out? Sure, sure. Um, it is called By the Why Consulting, by the Y Consulting.com, all one word. Um, I look forward to um, meeting more people in the digital marketing space. Uh, and I'm so grateful to you, Wes, for having me on. Oh, I'm so grateful to you, Chrissy, for coming on. Thank you so much for being here and for providing so much insight to our audience. That, that is uh, something that I really think is going to be valuable to a lot of people who listen to this. So thank you so much, Chrissy. Great. Thank you. Yeah.